Welcome to Gospel Tangents, the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology. I'm Rick Bennett. The scriptures concerning God and Jesus Christ are very confusing. Of course, Protestants have their own confusing theology with the Trinity. We'll talk about the God-Christ role reversal with Paul Toscano. He's written the book, The Serpent and the Dove, and we'll talk more about the God and Christ role reversal in the Book of Mormon. Check out our conversation. Let me make sure I'm clear on what you're saying the true nature of God is, which is different from what the church is teaching and different from even Orthodox Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, so you're saying Jesus is God, the Eternal Father. They're the same. They're homoousios, I believe. Yeah, they're the, same. So. they're the same person. You evangelicals that know this better, please correct me on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not certain that. But, um, and so, you talked about Jehovah as part female as well. Yeah, as well. So because the... So, so, and then, so we've got this male God. It sounds, it sounded to me, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it sounded to me like you were saying that Eve was the mother God. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think that's how it comes down. I think that, and this is another aspect that that I, I have come to, I can't sort it out. Uh, I couldn't sort out the idea that once you, you don't have Christ as a scapegoat, you have the Father appearing on earth as a son and submitting himself uh, to death and a horrible death at that. Then the then the atonement is not based on the sca scapegoat theory. But this is this is in the this, this is in the Abraham story because it's right there in Abraham. Abraham was going to commit the old-fashioned kind of sacrifice where you sacrifice something really important, your son, right. to to appease God. And God breaks in and says, "No, I'm going to do that because." I'm going to kill myself. I'm so, going to come and atone. Okay. First, because I'm responsible for creating a world where bad things can happen. Second of all, because I want to show you that I, I love you more than I love my divinity and myself. And, and, and finally, because, because I want to be able to, um, uh, I don't want the atonement to rest on a filicide. I, I don't want murder to be the the root of redemption it's got to be a genuine sacrifice it's no sacrifice to sacrifice somebody else <laughs> now they, they say well it was his son yes but why send your son i wouldn't would anybody who loved their son not give their life and that's exactly what abinadi is saying it's god the father loves us so much that he comes into the world, incarnates as a son, his, himself, himself to, to be the one who does the atonement. Well, how does he achieve this atonement if it's not by sacrifice, uh, by, you know, the old-fashioned kind of sacrifice? Well, it's by role reversals. It's by Christ comes to earth, and he has a lot of at female attributes that are uh, ascribed to him, his compassion, his concern for other people, a lot of the things that he says. But ultimately, symbolically, he's pierced. He, he bleeds to bring forth a, a new creation, which is a very feminine symbol. 
Meanwhile, his female counterpart, who is the Holy Spirit, penetrates our hearts to illuminate us, which is a very male concept. So Jesus, who embraces and bleeds, and the Holy Spirit, who penetrates and illuminates and instructs, and sometimes reproves betimes with sharpness, takes on a male role. These are role reversals that are taking place. And the other major role reversal is the Adam-God uh, role reversal. Okay, thank you. Where Christ uh, and the Holy Spirit, you know, they descend to work with us on earth. But Michael, who is like unto God, is becomes the, he becomes the, I don't know, the temporary heavenly father that because he's the father, because he's Adam, the father of the human race, he's the person, he's the archangel in charge, so to speak, that Christ subordinates himself to his own son. He elevates his son, Michael, into the Godhead, and he makes himself, because he becomes human, God becomes a member of the human race. His father is Adam. And by that breaks the, 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 um, the tyranny of patriarchy. God refuses even to be the father forever and ever. Hmm. He, he, he elevates us into the God. He wants to achieve this equality. That's why St. Paul says he makes himself lower than the angels. Because, because if he presides forever and ever, see, this Orson Hyde once published a chart where, you know, God had a father and that God had a father and that God had, I can't think of anything more horrible. <laughs> it means that not is when Jesus says you have to be born again, it's like he says you have to be born again into a chain of command. Uh, I don't want to be born again into a chain. Nobody does. That's not what the promise is. The promise is joint airship. Joint airship is not to be born into a chain of command. So God lowers himself so that we can be raised and, and then become equal with him. So in a sense, the father of everything created a father for himself to break the bonds of, of the tyranny of patriarchy. And that's why the holy priesthood after the order of the son, it's not called the holy priesthood after the order of the father God. It's called the holy priesthood after the order of the son of God. You're talking about the Melchizedek priesthood. The Melchizedek priesthood. Melchizedek is the nickname. I don't know why Russell Nelson has problems with nicknames when the <laughs> nickname is right in the 107th section <laughs> for the Melchizedek priesthood, invented by God. For, so you don't say too often the name of the supreme being. Right. Uh, but anyway, the, you see what I'm saying here? It's a role reversal that's taking place. Now, I understand that what I'm saying sounds terribly Baroque. It's like I'm... I'm, I'm revealing to you a Bach fugue when the church is usually listening to Lawrence Welk polkas. <laughs> so they're not going to get this. And I don't expect people to, you know, listen to this interview and believe what I'm saying. But I believe that's what our texts are telling us, whether it's true or not in the literal sense. But this is the meaning of the scripture. Patriarchy, matriarchy need to die. Equality needs to rise.
males and females need to be seen not as the sole way that gender and sex is expressed, but they need to be seen as the polarities between which the creation can happen, just like the peak and trough of a wave. You can't separate them. If you're going to have wave energy, you're going to have peaks and troughs. And they're not meant to fight. They're, they're complementary opposites, like my, my hands, left and right hands, like the, my brain, which is, you know, has two lobes to it, I hope. And, and they, the interaction between the left and, and right lobe is what creates mental processes. And if you interrupt that, it blocks mental processes. So I, and role reversals are a way of recognizing the fact that uh, uh, recognizing a manifestation of Lehi's statement that there must needs to be an opposition in all things. Role reversals are that opposition. When the male acts out the female and the female acts out the male, when the God, when the father becomes the son and the son becomes the father, when, when the woman penetrates and the male enfolds, these are all mechanisms and they are the root of the atonement, not the sacrifice of somebody else's stuff. Wow, this is fascinating. And that is why the Mormon restoration was started and it has failed utterly. The church is, or, uh, since the days of Joseph Smith, and even it started in his time, because I think he was a luminous mystic, but he, he didn't understand a lot of the things he was revealing. And he could not have given the exposition on some things, although he was good. But you know, you got to get up in the morning, you got to milk the cow, you got to dig a little latrine, you've got to go, you got to figure out food. It wasn't like now where we have leisure time. And in the middle of all of this, you know, they say he's a pious fraud, but I can tell you, I can't believe that. Not because he wasn't pious, but because he was the most hardworking fraud on the frontier. He's, he's producing, he's translating the Bible, he's producing the Book of Mormon, Book of Abraham, the Doctrine comes the Revelations, moving from city to city, building temples. You know, if you're going to be a fraud, there's a lot less labor-intensive mechanisms to achieve that. And if you want sex, you could have had it on the frontier without inventing polygamy. <laughs> I don't like polygamy. I, I think he was wrong about polygamy. Yeah. But, and he was wrong about other things. And, and you know, there, he was not, none of the early Mormon leaders were particularly literate. Orson Pratt may have stood out, and he was the only one that, at the 1852 Legislative Council, was trying to get them not to legalize slavery, legalize slavery in Utah. He was the only one that really stood up and to Brigham Young on that. Yeah, they were terrified of miscegenation, disgusted. I believe was the word. Yeah, so. We have, you know, human beings, but I think you can peel back and see that what I'm saying, it's arguable. It's an arguable interpretation. Well, it's a fascinating interpretation. Um, so then I, let me just make sure I'm clear on, on what you're saying. So Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. Eve is. I would say she was the mother of all living. She is his female. It's Yahweh. Mm -hmm. 
when the creation sure. is, happens, the first thing, in the, there's an Ein Sof that splits itself. In the Jewish Kabbalah, there's this idea that God was a kind of singularity, and then it splits itself into what we would call male and female aspects, a yin and yang, and in between those, as a result, the creation happens, and they persist, and it appears in the Jewish religion as Yahweh. Okay. But it's in other religions, too. This idea is not just Jewish. It isn't in the Abrahamic tradition. Where does the Holy Ghost fit in there? Well, the Holy Ghost is, I think the Holy Ghost has two meanings. The Holy Ghost is the mother goddess as a personage, as a person. The mother goddess. Because I thought you said the, the Holy Ghost was male earlier. No, the Holy Ghost uh, is a female that does male things like penetrate the heart. Whereas Jesus is a male God who role reverses and does the female thing of dying on a cross and bleeding, the bleeding, the shedding his blood, which is what a woman does in bringing birth. Jesus does it to bring about a rebirth. So you have a male doing a female thing, and you have a female, a female goddess, whose spirit penetrates your heart and confirms she's the the um, she's the first comforter. She's the first comforter, and Jesus then appearing to you later is the second comforter. I mean, this thing gets really elaborate. Uh -huh. in, in, in Mormonism, it's not elaborate so much in Orthodox Christianity. In Orthodox Christianity, they, you know, they, it's kind of, they're pretty simple, uh, theology compared to Mormon. Like I said, it's Lawrence Well Polka versus, uh, the Bach Cantata or something. <laughs> but, um, uh, I'm not saying that evangelicals are, they're not my favorite because they're too certain. Right. And they want Christian nationalism, which I know is goes directly against Jesus' statement, render it to Caesar that which is Caesar's and unto God that which is God's, and you don't want Christian nationalism. Uh but and so I don't I think the evangelicals have problems, but but they love to the extent they love Jesus Christ, fine, you know, what can I say? But Mormonism was an attempt to map Joseph Smith was trying to map a lot of this out. And he was changing radically, I think, in the scripture with the Abinadi statement and the Lehi statement and some other statements, like in, Jer in the book of, uh, in the uh, Jaredite record, book of Ether. Ether, yes. In, third, in the third chapter, where the Jared, the Mahanrai Mori Ankimer, <laughs> the brother of Jared, uh -huh. and... Uh, he sees the finger of the Lord. The Lord appears to him, sees the finger of the Lord. And I think in the 17th verse of that chapter, if I, my memory serves, um, the Lord says to the brother of Jared, the body that you're seeing here is the, the body of my spirit. It's the same body with which I will appear to the Nephites. Well, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that that's the Jesus appeared to the brother of Jared in a resurrected body, because that's what he says, because that's the same body that he appears with to the Nephites. So I asked this to Nibley one day. He says, yeah, multiple resurrections is part of it. Jesus says, I can lay down my life and take it up again. And that's another aspect of the nature of God's divinity is that he can appear on earth and take up a, you know, an earthly body. And he can, I, 
what we we are very Newtonian in our thinking in Mormonism. We're very literalistic, and right. and we're very locked into this, uh, you know, the periodic chart of of theology. But underneath the periodic chart is the standard model of subatomic particles of theology, and beneath <laughs> that are the are the wave fields of physics, the theology, and beneath that is a consciousness concept out of which maybe all of reality percolates out of a kind of consciousness, the mind of God. And we don't know this, we can't prove it scientifically, but we sense it. Because, you know, even though, even though we, 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 some people say our brains produce consciousness, we have this sense that there's something wrong with, with that. We, we, we resist the idea that if you kill my brain, I'm God. And the only way we continue in, 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 on the globe to continue to believe in scientific materialism, that, that we're just machines, and when the machine turns off, that's it. That's what a lot of people say they believe. But really, do we? It seems unlikely. And, and one of the... Uh, and science refuses, science now is you know, becoming more stridently refusing to take seriously UFOs, even though the Navy says they exist and that it's a security breach and we don't know what it is. That's the official thing. For years they've lied, now they finally come out. They knew that back in 47, but now they tell us in 2017, right? near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences. These are not things that are just witnessed in the oxygen-deprived brain because they're witnessed by the hospice people. The hospice people see the people enter the room and see the light, and they report it. They hadn't reported it before because they get fired from the hospital, but once they retire, they start reporting these things. <laughs> Follow the money. <laughs> you know, and you've got out-of-body experiences, UFOs, but you've got r remote viewing, which they say doesn't work, but they're still at it. And uh, a lot of paranormal experiences. I mean, the, the University uh, of Medicine at the University of Virginia has an entire division called the Division of uh, Perceptual Studies, which has put out a big, thick book called The Irreducible Mind, which I have, and have read probably a third of it because it, it takes a lot of concentration, and I always have it now to read, but it just gives you study after study, thousands, thousands of examples, not hundreds. Jacques Vallée, the most, the scariest book you'd want to read is The Invisible College, which came out in 1975 by Jacques Vallée, the, the most intelligent and credentialed of all the UFO uh, studiers. He's an astrophysicist and a computer scientist. He went after this uh, with a bunch of scientists who called themselves, after a while, the Invisible College. And they studied tens of thousands of cases that could not be explained and that are terrifying. If you want to read a book, his, his book, The uh, Masters of Deceit and all of that, where he lays out all the cases, not all of them, but enough to make it so you don't want to walk to your garage if it's a separate building <laughs> at night. It's, 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 there's stuff that goes on that, like, uh, there's more that exists in your philosophy or ratio than you can imagine. You know, it's, it's, the universe is far 
weirder than we think. And of course, I don't blame people. I'm one of them who wants to simplify it. Even my book is a simplification of, I think, what's really going on. I'm just telling you what I think the texts say. I'm not bearing my testimony of what I think is true because I'm not sure what is true. But I know that it's not one flat plane of molecules. And it is a, New a Newtonian. That's not Newtonianism works, you know, when you're setting up your equipment here. It works great. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work at the CERN, you know, Large Hadron Collider. It doesn't work there. <laughs> and then, you know, there's gravity and turbulence and, you know, there's not enough matter in the universe to explain the gravity and there's not enough, you know, it's all. And then Kurt Gödel in the 20s or 30s comes up with his mathematical uh, incompleteness theorem showing that there's no logical basis for mathematics. You can't find it because you can't prove math with math. You can't. You can't prove it has to do with is math part of a set that it's all very complicated. I can't explain it. I can, I can read it and kind of understand it, but I get, and so, you know, I mean, I think Alfred Nord Whitehead and, and Bertrand Russell tried to write a book to show that, that math was really a logical system, couldn't do it. And so we rely on our mathematical models to, to penetrate areas we can't see, even with our great equipment, even with the web telescope, mathematical models help us, but mathematics is our invention and, and our perceptions, how, how do we know that our perceptions, our senses are accurately revealing what's out there. And that's why you get the movie, the matrix, you know, that we're all being deceived and, <laughs> and maybe we are to some extent, yeah. I don't know. So when it comes to. How do, do we know, do I know, can I bear my testimony that my book is telling the truth? No, but I do believe that I am presenting in the serpent and the dove, what I believe Joseph Smith was working his way toward. And in his five great discourses, five or six at the end, beginning in 1839, given after August 8th of 1839. And then there's about four more that he gives ending with the King Fall. He's followed in June 16th discourse. It was one on March 10th, one on April 7th, King Follett, and then there was the June 16th. There was another one in there too. That he's trying to map out a picture that I try to explicate in my book. And and I'm not doing Well, great I just want to make sure that, because I, 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 I'm, I'm, even though I'm a math guy, I'm horrible with symbols, especially religious symbols. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got, Jesus is God. We've got Eve, the mother God, or the mother of all living. Yeah. We've got the Holy Ghost, which is a female. Which deity, is Eve. Which is Eve. Mm -hmm. I thought Eve was. Eve, Eve is the person that she dies, and according to them, she's not resurrected, and she becomes the person of the Holy Ghost. Oh. And Christ is, her, Christ is the male God who comes down and dies, and he is resurrected. Michael is Adam, who's the head of the human family, and Mary is his female consort. She, she's the goddess who becomes the mother of Jesus's body, which is created by her intercourse with Adam, the resurrected Adam, according to... It's crazy. Not Joseph. Not Joseph. I know Strangites believe that uh, not, Joseph was the real father. That's not what... Jo that, the, and this, this Adam God was not 
introduced by Brigham Young. It was introduced by Joseph Smith uh, in a discourse that was given after, it doesn't say the date, it says after August 8th of 1839. It's, you can find it in, in uh, Lyndon Cook and Andy Ehat's book, The Words of Joseph Smith. They, they took all of the discourses of Joseph Smith and gave all the different versions because they were taken down by different people listening to them. And the, there's one that's under the heading, it's, I can't remember, before or after August 8th, 1839. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Paul Toscano. You know, there are a lot of people who say that the reason why the church has jettisoned the Adam-God theory is because it leads to polygamy. Does Paul Toscano agree with that? No, they, the, they, they don't want that, the fundamentalists. They want a patriarchal harem. Right. It's I. It's about. It's an abomination, to me, in my view. Is that what Joseph Smith was trying to do? I don't know what he was trying to do. I think that's what happened. I think that's how he was perceived by the guys around him, who you know, suddenly they're thinking, "Oh, wow, I can have sex with more than one gal." Thanks for listening to Gospel Tangents. If you'd like to hear the entire interview uncut, please subscribe at patreon.com slash gospeltangents. You can hear the entire interviews there. Also, check out our new, improved, uh, user-friendly website at gospeltangents.com. We've made it much more user-friendly, so check that out. Click here to subscribe, here for a transcript, and over here we've got more of our great videos. Thanks again.